born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. See, God wants you to ask for things, and then if you don't get the first thing you'll ask is, I wonder why not. Is there anything in my life that could cause God not to hear or to answer my prayer? So you see, it causes you to examine yourself. You see, you turn on the flashlight and turn it on whatever it is that you want. So Lord, this, this is what I want. And then you turn the flashlight over and shine it on your son. Now, what can I do that God would expect me to do to get me to whatever it is I want? Or do I just expect God, would you go get that for me? And God says, I gave you two legs, eyes, hands, a brain. That's something you can do. So God can enable you to have the strength and the grace that you need to get whatever it is you want. But sometimes people are just plain lazy. They want everything given to them on the silver platter, and it doesn't work that way. Not with the Lord. And look at the last part of this verse where it has that the Father, that the Father may be glorified. So the reason that we can ask and receive is because God wants the Father glorified, because God wants you to give Him the praise, the honor, and the glory that's due Him. And sometimes God knows that you're not going to give Him the praise, the honor, and the glory, because your motive isn't right, or your heart isn't right, and therefore... It seems like God either doesn't hear my prayers because God is also, he knows all these other things that he answered for you and you never thanked him for. And so the Lord knows the future and there's lessons that God has for us to learn. Do you really thank the Lord for what you already have? Remember the other day I was talking to you about what if we only had tomorrow what we told the Lord we were thankful for today we may not have much tomorrow because most people just take what they have for granted. Do you ever thank the Lord for your health? You know, I thank the Lord. He knows. I thank the Lord every day. I say, Lord, thank you for our health. Thank you for our health. Because you know how quickly you can lose your health. It don't take much. We are very fragile individuals. It don't take much for us to get hurt or to get sick, to lose things in this life. And um, so there's a lot of lessons for it. Look at the next verse. If ye shall ask anything in my name, that means it would be for him, for his honor, for his glory. To do what God wants you to do, he says, I will do it. 
Now, he's talking to his disciples, yes, we know, but we can learn a lot of principles from these things that he says to them. Look at the next verse. John 15 and verse 7. He says, if ye abide in me. But you see that word, if? That means that this is conditional. It's conditional upon you abiding in him. And my words abide in you. Not only that you know what the word of God says, and that you know the will of God, is that you do the will of God. To abide in him means to serve him. Doesn't mean to, I'm, I'm saved. Just because I'm saved. No. Those who abide in him. You learn the word of God and you live there. And you are obedient to do whatever God wants you to do with your life. He says, if you do, and my words abide in you. You see, you can't isolate this verse from the other verses because, you see, the word of God can't contradict itself. And so there are conditions that God puts upon certain things. I am saved and I'm going to heaven if I believe on Christ. So I did that, so I get this. When he says, you can have this if you do this. But a lot of people don't believe, and they don't do everything God says. You see, these are the conditions upon which you can ask God, and God becomes obligated to keep his word. So he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So it's not just a blanket statement to anybody that just do whatever you want to do. No, you've got to live a holy life, a godly life. This is to those who are maturing in the Lord. This is to those who want to walk with God and they want the best that God has for them. And so a lot of times, see, God will allow things to come in your life because he wants you to mature and to grow. And as you get older and wiser, you become more careful about what you pray for. I wouldn't mind. Lord, give me a million dollars. The Lord says, why? You know, I don't even ask the Lord for a million dollars anymore. It won't go that far. I asked for $10 million. No. You want that pink Cadillac? My wife the other day, she says, what kind of a car is that? She said, let me get a little bit closer. I'll get a little closer. I said, that's a Jaguar. She said, that's pretty. We're driving on another road on another day. She said, what kind of a car is that over there? I said, that's a Jaguar. She said, boy, those are pretty, ain't they? She has a rich taste. You ever seen people who have a rich taste? So now she's got me looking at the Jaguar. And it's going to have to be about 40 years old, you know, bald tires. I said, honey, you're riding around in a, a Mercedes now. Even though it's 16 years old and got 215,000 miles on it, so what? It still runs. <laughs> you know, a guy can get in the car and just run it until it don't run no more. But uh, I says, I know a guy that has a Jaguar, Gary Steffen. Somewhere along the line, he, he, he got him one of those Jaguars. He doesn't ever mention it because he doesn't want you to know how rich he is. I don't even know, if I ever rode in it yet, Gary? I did. First time we met, I rode in that thing. I think I did, yeah. Nice car. But anyway, now that, see, the Lord knows my wife's prayer and desire, he just liable to use Gary to 
answer her prayer. I'm just, I'm just joshing, no. Number one, she likes the car she has, and I like the car I got, and I like the car she has, and that's all she's going to get. But anyway, as we're moving right along, in John 16, 24, it says, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. In other words, it's for your joy. Did you know that God says he has freely given us all things to enjoy? That this life, the life, the world, is designed for us to really enjoy. God wants us to enjoy life. And sometimes we don't stop long enough to enjoy the world. I'll have to admit, in the beginning years of my ministry, I, I hated to take off a day to do anything. Because I just, I loved doing what I was doing. I enjoyed that. And I believe probably to the expense of, I could have spent more time with my wife and my kids, but I don't know why they couldn't have enjoyed what I was doing. You know, sitting in the office, working on the computer, getting all these things done. But there's another life to live, and sometimes we neglect. And I think sometimes, boy, I wish I could just go back and read, live some of those things, and I might be able to make wiser decisions. But when you're going through it the first time, you, see, you don't see a lot of those things. Not until you get 30, 40 years on down the road, and then you say, hey, you know, I could have done better. I, that, that wasn't the best decision I ever made. And so there's things that we need to enjoy as you go, because you see, I, I, I know some people that couldn't wait until they got 62 years old so they could retire. And when they finally got 62 and retired, they died. They died. Betty's dad had just gone to the doctor and got a clean bill of health. He was in great shape. He was 59, 60, he died of a heart attack, just like that. And Dr. Curtis Hudson, he finally got to be 60 and told me he got six months to live. I think he was 62 or so, passed away. So maybe you need to always have something that you're doing, always something that you're working toward, a goal, a purpose, you know. Even if you retire, there's still got to be something that you reach for. But anyway, look there in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31 in your notes there. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, there is a possibility that when they spake the word of God with boldness, that could have been their prayer. That could have been the fulfillment of of their prayer, because the scriptures talked about that I may preach the word of God and teach the word of God and speak the word of God with boldness. So it's a prayer, but then the fulfillment of it. So do you pray that you'll make wise decisions? Well, then that means you study the word of God so that you'll have the knowledge, the discernment to make wiser decisions. You pray the Lord's will for your life? Well, what do you do? Is that something that's uh, a one-time deal, or do you go to church and you study the Bible and you start witnessing, you start reading, praying, you're doing all the things? Why? Because you want the will of God for your life. But it's not a prayer that you did one time. You're always praying that prayer. You're always doing that. And if you keep on doing that, next thing you know, you know, God answered my prayer. I lived for the Lord. I had the will of God for my life. But you see, there's a lot of decisions that you have to make. To see that that decision is fulfilled. But is that the will of God? Yes. 
So can you have the will of God for your life? Yeah. So you pray for the things that you know God wants you to do. Does God want you to study His Word? Lord, help me to study your Word. And then you never open the Bible. Have you ever heard people say always, Lord, we want you to lead God and direct. And then they never pay any attention to what the Bible says. But I'm trusting the Lord to lead God and direct. And they never depend upon the Lord for anything. But they're nice little cliches. You ever see announcers when they interview all these football players and basketball players? And, all and none of them have any original thoughts. They're nothing but cliches. Well, we've got to have a strong defense. Well, we've got to really do this. We gotta, everything is always the same thing that everybody says. and Nobody has any original thoughts. It's like they can't think for themselves. They're always little cliches. You listen to an announcer when the guy's got up there and he's going to putt. Well, he's got a little work to do. You heard that a thousand times. And there's nothing like nothing new. Nobody thinks and reasons for themselves. Look at the next verse. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Praying Every once in a while, praying what? Always. You should always live in an attitude of prayer. You know, you can sit here while I'm talking and be praying to the Lord, can't you? Probably some of you have. Lord, help them. You're probably saying, Lord, help them to quit on time. And God just might honor and answer your prayer. But because you've been bad, he'll have to tell me to go ahead and go 10 minutes longer. Just joking. But you could have been praying when you came in the car this morning while you're driving. And we, eyes wide open, you talk to the Lord. It's when you close your eyes while you're driving that really bothers me. But everybody needs to pray and learn to pray all the time. And you're always dependent upon the Lord. Walk in dependence upon the Lord and walk always in like a mental attitude of prayer. So that you're always... God conscious all the time. That's what he means when he says in the book of uh, Proverbs in chapter 3, 5, and 6, you know, uh, lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him. It means to thank God. Be thanking God all the time in all of your ways. And God will bless you because of it. Uh, look at the next verse. It says pray without ceasing. It means always praying. Never stop. Always do that. The next verse in uh, Matthew 6 says, and when, now, I highlighted the word when because it's an assumption that you're going to do this when you pray. So you're supposed to pray. Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. They love to pray standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets that they may be, and here's the word, seen of men. Seen of men. That's why they do it. Now, doesn't the Bible say also in Matthew in chapter 5 that let your light so shine before men that they may see your they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So how do you separate the two? You they're doing it to be seen of men, and when you let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Well, how do you separate the two? Well, one because you want them to glorify your Father which is in heaven. And the other one is whenever you want to do it, to be seen of men. 
That's your purpose. And they're totally different. So take, for example, a man like um, Tim Tebow. Anybody ever heard of him? All right, now, if he's doing that to simply be seen of men so that people can heap all that praise upon him is one thing, but it's because he loves the Lord and he wants to give the Lord the honor, the praise, and the glory, then that's totally a different thing. And so many people are maybe encouraged to praise the Lord publicly because of what he's doing, but there will be others that will call him a hypocrite. Who knows the truth? God does. And so I would leave it with the Lord. Because see, this is to the individual. So I have no problem with Tim Tebow praying. Isn't there somebody else in the Bible that, uh, let me see, what was his name? I think it was Daniel. They even passed the law that you couldn't pray to anybody. And if you did, you'd be thrown to the lions. So what did Daniel do? Well, I don't want to offend anybody. He went ahead and prayed anyway. He prayed anyway. And he knew they saw him. They could see him pray. And so what happened to Daniel? He got thrown to the lions. And so that's what happens to a lot of people who take a stand for the Lord. They get thrown to the lions. And so they're seeking to devour it. You are to shut you up. The only thing about that with Daniel was to get him in trouble, get him to stop. And there's people that are trying to just get people in trouble. Why don't you just leave the guy alone? Let him do whatever he wants to do. Don't worry about it. Why make it even an issue? Let it go. I've seen others do a lot of things that I don't think is very appropriate. But anyway, we're moving right along. Number six, the first six. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So some people take it seriously. They actually, they clean out a closet, and they go into the closet and close the door. I don't think he's talking about a literal closet. But I do believe that you ought to have a place where you can get alone between you and the Lord. And if you do it only in public, the Lord, like sometimes you have people and they can get into public and they pray on and 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 on. Well, that means they don't pray much in private because they can shorten that down a lot if they had more time spent in prayer. And uh, when I'm out at a restaurant and we're going to pray and we're going to thank the Lord for the food, to me, that's not a time to pray for all the missionaries. I'm going to thank the Lord for the food. In Jesus' name, amen. I like my food hot. And I don't want to put on a big spiritual air so everybody thinks, oh, oh. Now, why would I do that? So they will think I'm so holy. God condemns that in his word. And so he even talks about those that fast. See there in Matthew chapter 6. In verse 16 says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. They're doing it to be seen of men. It's not real. It's not genuine. They're going through the motions, doing the act. But you'll notice that the last place in the Bible that it talks about, you know, actually the disciples fasting is in the book of Luke chapter 18 and verse 12. And uh, that was the last time. All in the rest of the uh, the Bible, you don't find where we're told that this is what we have to do. Now, it can be a good reasons for fasting. Uh, and if you will, just take your Bible, look there in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, Matthew, Mark, Luke, 
but Luke chapter 5. Look in verse 33. In verse 33, And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise, the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink. So the Pharisees had disciples, and the Pharisees also prayed and fasted. Uh, remember where it says in Luke where, you know, the Pharisee, Lord, I, I fast, and I give tithes of all that I have, and boy, I'm glad I'm not like that guy. Well, that's the last time we find out about, you know, your fasting in the Scriptures. And it wasn't in a good way. It was with a, a bad guy doing the bad thing. But, oh, it was doing a good thing, I should say, but um, even lost people can pray and fast because his disciples did. But he says the disciples of John... They pray and they fast. But the disciples that are with Jesus, they don't. They eat and drink. So we know that fasting deals with eating and drinking. And you'll notice also that Jesus made a statement to them in verse 34 that deals with the subject of you don't have me with you. He says, my disciples are with me. They don't need to pray and fast because I'm here, I'm with them. Now, he wasn't with John Baptist over there and his disciples, so they had they, they prayed and they fasted. It's a little bit different. Now, when the Lord left, he says, I'm going to heaven, but when I leave, I'm going to send somebody else that's just like me. And that's the Holy Spirit. So you and I have the Holy Spirit living within us. But most of the prayers that we're told to pray found in the book of John, chapter 14, 15, 16, is with the knowledge that we're going to have the Holy Spirit, and still we pray, but there's no word there that says we have to fast. Because, you see, the Holy Spirit is the Lord, and He is with us. I don't have to fast to get the Holy Spirit. You see, one of the things that, even when I was going to Bible college, I would never eat before a test. In the morning, I never ate before an exam. But simple reasons is, you know, when you eat, you get food and so forth. It gets into your bloodstream and goes to your brain and slows your thinking process down. It can make you slow and sluggish. And that's why after you eat a big meal, you want to just sit down and go to sleep. Well, the best thing to do is before an exam is not to eat. I want my mind clear. And so... There were times when it would be very valuable to fast a little bit. Don't, don't eat. It's another way of an individual saying to the Lord that what you are is more important and more precious to me than my necessary food. It's a way of saying, I desire spiritual things over the physical thing of the food. Because if a man can control his desire for food, you have a good start on controlling all the other desires of the flesh. You have a lot of desires of the flesh if you didn't know that. And a lot of people cannot control those desires. Food is one way of being able to do that. And simply saying to the Lord, Lord, I desire a closer walk with you. I want my mind to be clear. And so 
There can be health benefits to it, and a lot of people fast today. They can do it. But it doesn't mean it makes you more spiritual. Because you can hold off on the, the drink and the food and still be an ungodly individual. But you want a person who knows the Lord and loves the Lord and walks with the Lord and prays always. You know, he doesn't say in the New Testament for us, fast always, but it does say pray always. Always to be seeking the Lord. Now, but if you want to fast and hold off food on a certain day, you don't eat, whatever, that's a personal thing. But it doesn't have to be broadcast to everybody else about the great sacrifice you make. And you don't have to walk around with your Bible up here. I'm so holy. And then you look down, you know, you mean you didn't fast this week? Uh, I did. Three times. And uh, if you do it to be seen of men, God have mercy on you. Look up here. This end represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God says that he loves us. He hates our sin. And for you and I to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. Because heaven is perfect. God is perfect. And we have to be perfect to go into heaven. But we can't because of sin. And God will not allow us into heaven. So how can God get rid of the sin? Remember, the sin is not just the sin that I commit. It's the sin nature that's within me. I could take this away and I still can't get in. Because, you see, the sin nature is still inside of me. I committed this because I am a sinner. So God has to give me a new birth. Not change me. Not change me. Not sending me to church and do all our good deeds. God has to give me a new birth. So this hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world. He has no sin. No sin nature. So he has no sin. But Christ, because he loves us and he hates our sin, it says that he hates it because it separates us from him. So what Christ did for us, he took our sins, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead and said, if we would believe it, he would give us his righteousness. And if God gave me his righteousness, then I would be as righteous as God. Can I go to heaven if I'm as righteous as God? Why, yes. That's a righteousness that God gives to me by faith in what he did for me. And God says, once you trust him, he'll never cast you out and never lose you. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, right now, why not just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I don't understand it all, but I know that I've done things wrong. I believe that Christ died, paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust him this morning as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting, if what I said made sense, would you say, yes, Lord, I will trust Christ as my Savior right now. And friend, by doing that, God will give you eternal life as a free gift. And he'll never cast you out and never lose you. And you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. Would you believe it? Would you trust him? If you will, would you slip your hand up very quickly and say, pray for me. I'll trust Christ as my Savior this morning, and I'd like for you to pray for me. Is there anyone at all before we close? If you've already trusted Christ as your Savior, do you see the responsibility? How that all of us as God's children are responsible to preach the gospel. One way or another, find a way. Find a way. Because one day we'll all stand before the Lord and give an account of ourselves. I won't be judging you. You won't be judging me. 
We all have our own Heavenly Father, and we'll stand before Him. And you don't want to be ashamed before Him at His coming. Our Father, we ask your blessings upon each one here. Ask Father your protection because we're living in a sinful world. And the devil would like us to do everything in the world but talk to people about their soul. And help us to have the confidence and the boldness that we need. And use this for your honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making Him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.